0: It is good to be back with you. It's been a couple weeks now since we've been in 1 Peter. Um, Last week, um, we were... I was in the West Coast in California, and prayers for our area, prayer for the church. I missed you um, as we were there worshiping at a church in downtown L.A. on Sunday. Um, We were took some time on Monday just to enjoy the waves. Never been surfing on the West Coast. I did that. Couldn't help but think about um, as we were there and what was happening on the West Coast at the same time happening on the East Coast. No one dare go in the ocean. Uh, Last Monday, Friday, Saturday, any of those days. And what brings tourism and uh, economic boom to one brings devastation to another, and uh, as I was thinking through that, I, I was uh, seeing how that works even in the wave itself. Uh, when you have a wave coming, it can be a source of fun and joy, or it could be a source, source of terror. Uh, it had a little bit of both happen at one time, uh, where at one time you get the wave right on the right spot and it's fun and enjoyable, but if you're in the wrong spot, uh, all you see is a breaking wave in front of you with about 20 surfboards on that wave coming at you uh, and it brings terror and uh, washes you out pretty good. And I've thought about that, how life works that way, that sometimes in trials, verses, and challenges, some people come out of it different than others. Have you thought about why? Some people come out of adversities and trials different than others. These opportunities, these these adversities come out of it holy, joyful, loving. I'm going to ask that you read with me as we go to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 22. And we're going to go on to the next chapter through chapter 2 verse 3. Uh, As this is God's word, I'm going to ask that we stand as we read this together. We already know uh, from reading this passage that that though there's grieving for various trials, that God is working in this to produce something precious. He's calling us to be holy, even as He is holy, to do so with joy. Verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience, to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, I love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all of its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. You may be seated. So in a nutshell... When you're going through adversities and persecutions and challenges and trials, to keep from being bitter, you become holy. <laughs> that sounds simple, right? Well, how do we become holy? As God has called us to be holy, we've looked at the reasons why, the motivations, but let's look now at how that happens. How do we? enter into holiness. And so he says, first of all, as we read verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. And so this is speaking to something that we've done in the past, and we continue to do. We are in a process of purifying our souls. This is the pursuit of Christ-likeness, the pursuit of holiness. So uh, J.I. Packer in, in describing this passage used uh, three phrases that's used for every believer for growing in Christ. And these are found to be effective. Uh, and so I'm going to borrow those same phrases uh, for the purposes of our time today. And the first phrase, in growing up in Christ, and to become holy, it means, one, that there must be a way of acceptance. A way of acceptance. You're going to have to listen. It's not going to be on the screen, all right? Just the old days, right? It's the way of... Acceptance. The second way is the way of exchange, and the third is the way of nourishment. All right, so for the believer, there must be a way of acceptance, a way of exchange, and the way of nourishment. So let's first look at this idea of the way of acceptance. We see this right in our text we just read in verse 22 that having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. That is to say that there must be an acceptance of authority in our life. Uh, When we go through difficult, hard trials, uh, persecutions, he says you purify by obedience to the truth. And so what does that mean? Well, first of all, authority of God's law. What is God's way? What is his direction? We must accept that. And then secondly, to say how has he declared us? Who has he declared us? Do we accept that? So first of all, when we talk about obedience to the truth, the law of God, simply when he says to us that there is a way that is pleasing to God and a way that there is not. And so in the midst of persecution, in the midst of trials, when people work harshly against us, here's the temptation. I'm going to show them. I'm going to hurt them. I'm going to do to them like they've done unto me, right? Isn't that biblical? You know, eye for an eye well no not exactly because just be because they may step outside of what God's directive is does not mean and give me permission to step outside of God's directive as well I do not want to become the monster that I see others are doing to me and that's the way of the world isn't it when people work harshly against, we start becoming who they are, trying to show them and teach them, but instead to say obedience to the truth and to, say, to say, God's way must prevail in my life. His directives, whether it's to say not to slander, well, we don't slander. To say we don't return evil for evil, but we turn good for evil, that is God's directive. When we don't twist the truth to look good. Uh, When there is generosity, God is directing us to be generous with our materials and our resources despite what happens. These are very counter to the world we live in, right? But it's to say, as a believer, I'm going to accept that. And so when I deal with this, I have to accept God's word as truth, His directive. His law still applies in my life. But not only does His law, His word, His directives, but what has He declared us? This is where we get into the gospel. He has declared us this truth. He said, you're messed up sinners. And the the fact of the matter is, is, we really are probably more messed up than we know. We come to it thinking, yeah, okay, I make mistakes. But we don't really want to accept the fact that even to the core and motives of why we do what we do is twisted and treasonous against God. We are more messed up than we might want to think. But the truth of it is, is that we are. But yet God loves us. He sent his son to die for us. And so we are even more loved than we could imagine that anyone could love us. And so that is the, the truth that we must accept. That we're messed up, but by God's grace we are loved and cherished and children of God. So, to grow up, accept God's authority. The way of acceptance, so having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, and so when we read the Word of God together and we see the directives of it, it is to say this is not a multiple choice. This is not something that we can just take as a buffet i, I don 't really like that directive. I like these others, but you know I, I like being loved by God, but you know generosity ah, that that hurts. Um, and, and so we, get, we have to see this, but we keep on reading. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. This is where it gets to the way of exchange. For us to grow up in Christ, to grow up in our faith, there must be the way of acceptance of God's authority... But there also must be this way of exchange. What do we mean by exchange? Well, it's found right there where it says that we are obeying the truth for a sincere brotherly love. The exchange of this person matters more than me. Their needs matter more than my name, my needs. I wake up and I'm born, I'm birthed into this idea of I need, I need, I need. And everyone around me is just like a, an emotional bank to satisfy my needs. Does that sound harsh? But is it true? When you get those pictures back and you see someone post something out of a picture, uh, how would you judge the quality of that picture? Is it I how you look? You look and say, oh, that's a good picture. Well, why? Well, my hair looked good, you know? <laughs> Everyone else here is sticking straight up or something, you know, but, but you, that's a good picture because of who we are. And so we, we see this, and this is, there's a multitude of examples as we look at this, but when we say, for a sincere brother of love, we obey the truth of God, let God's authority speak into our life, so that we will love people, we'll exchange their needs for our own. And so we start looking for that. And so one of the hard things about accepting God's authority is that God has very clearly, very thoroughly, All throughout scripture says, love your neighbor. Love these people. And I I read God's authority and said, you know, this would be so much easier if that wasn't there. But this is there and I can't change, I can't erase it, I can't pretend like God didn't direct this. And so when I go to God's authority, it takes me to the very next uh, method or process of growing in the way it's changed when he says, okay, great, here's my authority. Authority is directed to loving people is to do so with a sincere brotherly love uh, then love one another earnestly from a pure heart these are two different words used for love but in other words cover it all brotherly love godly love self-sacrificing love Uh, do it all do it earnestly from a pure heart now um, some of your translations might say love deeply when you read that word it is to say energetically uh, perhaps maybe strenuously. Uh, I love this Sunday out of all the year, for the last few years, and, and y'all know why. Because this is the Sunday that they do the Rex Wellness Triathlon, and they come right by here, and uh, I you know we drive up um, Pull Road, and the, the bicycle route goes there. And I, I, I've done a triathlon, so I know, I, I remember some of the thoughts, the memories, the feelings of those things, the, the, of that type of one. And so I like to give play-by-play commentary as I drive by. Uh, I like to say, this is what this person's thinking. And, you know, we go right up there on the Hodge Road, and you've got these big hills. You've got a pull road, right another big hill. I think, oh, y'all just don't even know what's in front of you. You know, and, and so I'm just thinking as uh, I'm watching, I'm just kind of calling out. I, one of these days, I'm going to bring a lawn chair out here at front. And just watch. I probably should give water or something if I'm going to do that. But uh, as they go up these hills, you know, you can see them just puffing, you know. And I'm thinking, they're thinking, just one more pedal. Just one more pedal. Just keep moving. Keep moving. Don't get off the bike. Don't get off the bike. I like, I'm getting off the bike, you know. You just, you just watch that happen. And, and so you, you see them. They're pouring out their energy. And it's, it's amazing that uh, to get more energy in life. You have to wear your energy out. Have you ever thought of, you realize that? To get more energy long-term, you have to have these short-term bouts where you thoroughly just exhaust yourself, where you get to the point where I don't want to move one more step. But in the process of doing that, you develop energy. And so when he says love from a pure heart, love earnestly or love deeply, it is to say love strenuously, love people to exhaustion, to the point where you are worn out. And in the doing of that, your capacity to love grows as you continue in this way. And it is as draining, as exhausting, as any kind of physical exertion to emotionally, spiritually put the needs of someone else in front of them. So here's the thing, when someone offends us, insults us, injures us in some way, intentionally, directly. There's usually two or three options that we have. The first option is, I'm going to go after them, and I'm going to hate them. All right? This is where you take active measures, active steps to make them miserable. But, you know, we're Christian, so that doesn't sound right. So here's the second option that's probably more taken... I will not go after them, but I will hate them. I'm not going to pursue them. I'm not going to uh, send out letters against them. I'm I'm not going to send emails. I'm not going to post things. I'm just going to pretend like they never existed in my life. If I happen to see them in a grocery store, I'm out of there. I'm not going to pursue them. But I'm going to let the bitterness reside. Because somehow we feel like if we don't let go of the bitterness, that they're getting away with something. The third option. And it really is just this. Pursue them and love them. Pursue them and love them. Go after them with love. To seek their Repentance, to desire repentance without one bit of vengeance. This is not to say that you're going to excuse it. You you seek repentance. You desire that. You desire their hearts to turn to God, but you do so without vengeance. You do so without malice. You do so without resentment to say what is needed here is Christ in their life to desire that repentant work in their life. And so you keep pursuing Christ. You stay under the authority of Christ and your emotions you give to God. Until the vengeance is gone and you look to what Christ has done in providing this. And so there is the way of exchange. To go after people with love and forgiveness. Pursue them with repentance and their good. Not to ignore them with hate. Which takes me to verse 23. These three ways are necessary for us to grow up in Christ. Uh, He says... uh, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, the way of acceptance, for sincere, brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, the way of exchange, putting the needs of someone else above your own. And this takes us to, how do I do that? I need some strength. I need some dynamic. I need some power. I need a new heart because this authority and what he's asking me to do is not within me to do it. I'm sorry. So verse 23, the way of nourishment. Since, why, why, why do this? Since you have been born again. Jesus referred to this in John chapter 3, referring to Nicodemus. You must be born of God. Not just born physically, but born of God, born of the Spirit in John 4, the next chapter, he talked about the woman at the Samaritan well and said, there can be within you a river of life springing out of you. This born again in 2 Corinthians 5, he says there is a, a new creation that God is making out of you. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You see it over and over and over again that this necessity, the, the essential aspect of being a believer in Christ... And a follower of Christ, being a Christian, if you will, is that God has born in you something. What? Well, verse 23, something not perishable. Not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. As we read in the word of God throughout other places, what is being born in us, this imperishable seed, is the nature of Christ. The Spirit of Christ. In Colossians 1.27 it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory, this nature, this dynamic, this power of God that is in us is an imperishable thing that will not be diminished with time but will only be more glorious as the perishable is burnt away. How does that happen? Through the living and abiding Word of God. I want you to understand the difference between the imperishable seed is not the Word of God. Imperishable seed comes through the Word of God. The imperishable seed being the nature of Christ, the Spirit of God in our life... Through the living and abiding word of God. Living and abiding meaning that it's interactive. It knows your hearts. It knows your questions. I am constantly amazed as I read the word of God and pour out my heart to God and my questions, my concerns, my frustrations. And wouldn't you know if God doesn't speak to these things. Why? Because the word of God is living. It is active. It is able to interact with me. But living and abiding also means it's life giving. Jesus said my words are of spirit and my words are of life. It's amazing how you can spend your day and have you ever had at the end of the day you felt so much blah but you were busy you're just like oh and then there's some days you could have been thoroughly exhausted but you go to bed knowing life happened that day have you ever had vacation and you went on vacation and you spend all your day doing all the things that you know you want to do in your day and but at the end of that time, you're just tired and worn out. I found that vacation, apart from vacation from God's word, is no vacation. There is no rest when I say to myself, I'm going to fill my mind and activities with other things outside of going to God's word and finding strength there. That vacations really come to be when I find my strength and nourishment, my directive from interacting with God through His Word. And so it says, through the living and abiding Word of God. It's enduring. It's not some tired book from 2,000 years ago with tired morality. As some of our politicians would try to describe it. It's only because they have not experienced the life-giving aspects of the words of Jesus through the Bible from the God who designed all things. And he goes on, he quotes from Isaiah chapter 40. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower fails, But the word of the Lord remains forever. It's an eternal world, eternal word. One of the things that's fascinating, interesting, um, as you look at pictures nowadays and go back. And, and in my mind now, about to be 44 this week, uh, 1990 really doesn't seem that long ago to me. And I know talking to my children and others of the generation, that seems like the 1800s because they call it the 1900s. Like, oh, 1900s, you know, that was like 1920 or something. But no, that's 1990. Uh, and and I, it doesn't seem that long ago, but every once in a while I look at pictures. I was, I was laughing with uh, someone this past week, one of our staff with Brad, and we were talking about jams. Those are the ones that are close to my age. That, jams. So in the 80s, we thought it was a really cool thing to wear really colorful shorts. I mean, just bright patterns, you know. And they had the word jams on the back, and they kind of went down to here. Now they think, well, that's hilarious because it's so short. But in, in our mind, they're like, man, those are really long shorts because uh, we're used to mid thighs, you know. And so. As you look back and you see all these crazy pictures, like, oh my goodness. And, and it just lets you know that the styles of today are just going to be laughed at 10, 15 years from now. And, and, and you know, grandkids and others are going to be laughing at what we're wearing right now. Style voices change, don't they? They are just always come and go. You never know. But it says, this is the eternal word of God. It doesn't wither, it doesn't fail, it is always eternally in style. It is to say this is the pattern of life and 2,000 years from now we're gonna find that the directions of the Word of God, the authority of God is as in vogue and probably more so as we look into the future. The Word of the Lord remains forever and this Word is the good news as good as the gospel that was preached to you it is that Jesus Christ loved you God loves you he sees our sin and he provided a just perfect sacrifice in Jesus Christ who loved the word of God perfectly and loved God perfectly He did everything out of the right motive yet this world unjustly persecuted killed him and he did so on my behalf but Jesus Reigned victorious over my sin and your sin and the sin of the world and all who would trust him. He reigned victorious. How do we know? Because he raised from the dead. God brought him back from the dead to say there is life here. There is joy here. There is hope once again in a world that is broken and diseased and and has death rampant. There is hope once again. This is the good news. That everything broken one day will be redeemed and things that are sad will become untrue. This is our hope. And it is our holiness to pursue that. So, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 1. So, put away all malice. Malice, desire to inflict injury. Maybe you don't want to actively do it, but you sure will be glad to hear it. Hear that report someday, things failing, things bad, things not doing good. Yeah, that'll show them put away all malice put away all deceit deliberate dishonesty put yourself making yourself look good put away all hypocrisy when you're acting apart but concealing your motives put away all envy a resentful discontentment about life about others put away all slander, to speak against someone, running others down verbally, to assault a person's character, reputation. Hey, have you noticed all these things t- tend to be sins of community? You can't do this by yourself very well. But when you're with others, this is where your faith, your internal hope, comes evident externally. It's why we have a church to know how to put faith in practice with one another and to say, The authority of God to purify ourselves in all truth and obedience to the truth. God says, this is out of bounds. I cannot bless this. I cannot honor this. This is not of Christ. This type of speech, this type of thinking, these type of motives, this is not of Christ. This is of the world. This is of Satan. And it's not to be a part of heaven. So there's a putting away of all these things. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. That by you may grow up until salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. A newborn infant is a good comparison for some of us, as we are new in the faith or we're growing. It's to to say we're unstable sometimes, that we are self-centered sometimes, we are gullible sometimes, and so the corrective is to pure desire, the pure spiritual milk of the Word of God that gives us discernment so we won't be so gullible, to give us Christ-centeredness so that we see something more beautiful than ourselves, to which we are centered upon, to give us the anchor for our hope so that we are no longer unstable, to crave it like a newborn milk, a newborn babe for milk. It's, it's amazing. You can, you can put a pile of money uh, in front of a babe. And they don't really care about it whether, you know, they might try to see if it provides milk. You know, stick it in their mouth. I mean, you can put car keys. I mean, they will play with it, but they don't understand and value. If you put milk and keys or milk and money or milk and pictures or milk and whatever, the baby's going for the milk. See, I want that. I know what that does. I, it, it's needed for me. It's to say as believers that there's a whole world of options in front of us. But to say, in all the world, I want Jesus. In all the world, I want to know who he is. In all the world, the things offered to me, let me pursue him in the word of God. If things happen, if things are hard, if persecution happens, if it helps me get more of Christ, then praise God, because there is my hope, there is my joy, there is my holiness. That by it, you may grow up and sell salvation, if indeed, you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the simple question is, have you tasted that God is good in your life? Has he been good to you? It is evident, not by what you say. It is evident by your craving. Your craving, are you craving God's word? These are where habits speak in. In a few weeks, we're going to talk, talk about social media and entertainment. And I'm just going to give you a little sneak. If it robs us of desire... And habits of seeking God, it's a problem. What are the habits of our life? Do our habits, your habits reveal your cravings. So what do your habits show about how we crave the Lord? We're going to sing together, thy word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. We're going to sing to God about his word but is it true of our heart we can all grow up in christ adversities challenges persecutions will come our way but what is going to be required of each one of us is go the way of acceptance accepting god's authority the way of exchange to say i'm going to put the needs of others above my own and the way of nourishment what satisfies our soul